episode of the Gospel Lifeline Podcast. My name is Neil Grogan. I'm here with Matt Statler, and this is our third podcast in one day. So we have Whoa. we have been crushing it today, but we are in Psalm 1. We are going to walk out the process of biblical meditation uh, together. And this is really a great way to work through a passage is in community. And so I would encourage you to get your Bible out. We're in the CSB today. Um, So if you don't have one, you can pull one up on the internet for free and get into Psalm 1. And once you have Psalm 1, go ahead and restart the episode or start the episode and then jump in with us. And man, we are in for a treat because this is a phenomenal passage. So typically the first thing you want to do is read it. So Neil, go ahead. Yeah. I was just thinking, you remember in uh, some of the seminary lectures, they would like, pause the video now yeah, and tell yep. you to do something. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Go back and find chapter such and such, and then... Yeah, right. Okay, so uh, Psalm chapter 1 says, How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked, or stand in the pathway with sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. Instead... His delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like a chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. And so uh, I typically like to pray um, when I start a passage, right? Pray for illumination. Um, There's several guys out there that have little uh, acronyms that you can use, but I like to take the psalm that the way it is and, and pray aspects out and just ask God to give me some illumination. So let's go ahead and do that. Almighty God, as I look at your word, um, I want to be a a tree planted by the flowing streams. I want to bear fruit in season, and I don't want to wither. Father God, I pray that you don't make me like the wicked who are chaff and get blown to and fro. Father, I know that you watch over the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. And I pray that you watch over me today, that you would give me the happiness that is promised in your word. And help me to not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway of sinners. Father, you are good and your word is pure. And I pray that you give us wisdom and help us to delight in your word today. Hmm. So the second thing after praying I would like to do is kind of get myself a handle. I like to say amen. And then I try to give myself... And and actually, honestly, Neil, um, sometimes I don't say amen because I want to be in a prayerful spirit as I continue in, um, because I kind of pray as I meditate. And I think you could do the same thing. But for our purposes, amen is helpful, because it ends (laughs) our prayer. Um, So I like to break up the psalm pretty quickly. And you can look at your passage in mind. There's a, a little extra space in between the sections. And so I'm able to kind of look, and it says, hey, they have a description of a happy man, they have a description of what happens to the wicked, and then it talks about the Lord watching over. And so we have a little bit of a 
picture of how this passage is broken down. The next thing you want to do is look at the greater context. Um, is there any subscript? A lot of the Psalms have something from David, right? David running from Absalom um, or this or that and explains the, the context. If you don't have that, um, you look at its literary context. The Psalm 1 is the first Psalm in the book of Psalms. It's chosen here for a reason. Um, in many ways, it is a porch or a foundation for the rest of the Psalms. Um, many people call it the keel of the ship, right? It's kind of steering you into understanding the happy man or the blessed one does this with the Psalms. The wicked don't. Um, yeah. And so let's just go ahead and look at our first verse, Neil. I love that illustration. The keel of the ship is what balances the ship when it turns. Um, it's a beautiful picture. Yeah, so verse 1 says, How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked, or stand in the pathway with sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. Um, so we want to ask a couple questions, you know, to kind of start off, right? So who's this talking about? What, who's the character? Who? What is the, the picture here? And um, we're seeing the first and foremost thing that there's uh, there's a, there's two kinds of people that the text is going to talk about. Matt kind of already alluded to, there's this wicked and there's the righteous. So there's these two groups of people and to start out with the righteous group, he says that they are happy when they don't walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in you know, the pathway walking with sinners, right? We're not walking with in the same direction in company with people who do aren't standing in the same place as you. Um, so um, we're just thinking through that. And then as we go forward, uh, verse two, instead, so opposing this thing before, instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. Okay, so let's stop there for a minute. Um, so the advice, so so the psalmist here is is compare or contrasting ad advisement from two different places, right? One group is the sinners, the other group is the Lord, right? So here, well, their instruction causes the opposite of happiness, right? It would cause what would you say, Matt? What's a good? What's the opposite of a happy thing? destruction yeah it would cause destruction but when our counsel comes from the lord's instruction it leads us to the text says delight and um and we tap into this delight how by meditating on it on it day and night and so you could if you wanted stop right there and begin to meditate on um where your delight comes from or uh, what about God's instruction should lead us to delight. Like I'm thinking personally, it tells me what's right in a, in a world full of what's wrong, you know, it, and that causes in me happiness. Right. So you could stop there. You could begin your meditation process now, but we just kind of want to study through the text. Another question I like to ask of scripture that I'm reading is what does this say about God? So what does Matt, what does verse two say about God and his character? Well, I mean, first off, he gives the instruction. We have mm. a we have a God who speaks, right? 
And am I listening to him? Am I making his instruction my delight? Am I delighting in his instruction? If I'm not, why is it? Is it because I'm spending all my time getting advice from the wicked? Mm-hmm. And and so I like to ask questions too, Neil. And I like to ask the how a lot of times. How am I not living up to this truth? Uh, do I make it a habit of getting my advice from the wicked? Am I getting in partnerships with people committed to sinning? Um, or do I spend my time with the mockers, right? Because if I'm doing that, then I'm not delighting in the law of the Lord, the instruction of the Lord. Um, I ask myself, am I meditating on it day and night? What's the last thing I listen to when I get in bed? What's the first thing I think about when I get up? Uh, and I start to, I, actually, I jump to application very fast, probably faster than I should um, a lot of times. Uh but yeah, I think it says that Jesus, uh, that the Lord is a pure source um, mm. of knowledge, and this is where we want to go. This is what I need to pursue, uh, spend my time doing. Yeah, which I really think points us to, to verse three, right? Because mm-hmm. it really jumps into a picture. Yeah, I love that about uh, the Psalms, man, and may obviously may all over scripture there's these there's imagery attached to truth right um, but here it says he is like this person who delights in the lord and his instruction is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in the in its season and its leaf does not wither whatever he does prospers so uh what is this flowing streams um that that's the idea here is like an irrigation channel it is it is connected to water and life and and because it's connected to life which is compared here in the text to the lord's instruction um it it bears fruit in the right season right bears good fruit um and it's leaf i love that part it's leaf doesn't wither i mean so that's telling you a couple things even in in and out of season right if it's connected to life the life source that you desperately need no matter the season you're in the leaves aren't uh jeremiah 17 he he references his psalm one but it, you know he says it, that, that they don't even change color like they remain green yeah. so he goes like one step further <laughs> uh than the psalmist here and the psalmist um, here neil um he's writing from a desert yeah. right and we know that in a desert if you're looking for water what do you typically look for? You look for anything green and you know, hey, there's probably some water over there. Yeah. Um, and so this illustration honestly is such a great reminder. Um, even when I forget the actual words here, I can mm-hmm. think about this tree by the water. And so if I want to find life, where am I going to go? Well, I'm going to go to the Lord's instruction. I'm going to mm-hmm. turn to the Lord um, and that's what the righteous are found. The righteous are found near water. In fact, it even seems like because of human nature, we're not inclined to be righteous. We're not likely to be planted by. And so this is an actual planting of a tree by the water, not just popping up on its own. And so that, I mean, it just reminds me of the regeneration of the soul. Right, and the Christian is planted and flourishing. Um, it's possible 
but not and not just possible, but actually promised. Right. Yeah. Like we are planted in the word. Mm. I love, you know, Doriani uh, in his book, Getting the Message, talks about this, the necessity to look for the fallen condition focus of the text. I think you just hit on it, Matt. It's the fallen condition of the text here is about where your instruction and advisement comes from. So yeah. if man, we constantly look to the world or to others and uh, who are coming from whatever worldview under the sun for our counsel and our advisement and how we should live, how we should navigate life, right? We're like the wicked, we're, which is what we see here in the remainder uh, verses of the text. We're like those people. And we want to be like that because we don't naturally, it's not in our nature to delight in the instruction of the Lord. And yeah. so I love the picture here, Matt, you pointed to it. You said, when you see something green in the desert, there's life over there. That's right. Let me go, let me go ask about that. You know, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And so, man, this is like, man, this has this, uh, eschatological picture here of um, how the Lord is restoring and redeeming. And so when the world sees, or in Jesus would say like, you know, you're to be the, the light of the world, um, uh, a lighthouse on a hill, right? On a hill. Yeah. Yeah. This, this uh, salty people, right. Who, when we taste, we can taste the salt, you know, we we're the salt has not lost its saltiness. That's right. <laughs> uh, so the text is saying for us, like that's where we should navigate to and to, to gain that instruction from the Lord. Um, but the wicked don't do this, Matt. The wicked uh, are not like this. Instead, they're like the chaff in the, that the wind just blows away. You want to explain that picture? Man, I think about tumbleweeds every time I read this. I know chaff is different, <laughs> but in here in Arizona um, – we obviously water is important and because right. uh, we're in a desert, but there are tumbleweeds and it basically, it dries up a little bush dries up and then gets blown around everywhere. And it collects mm. all sorts of trash and garbage that goes with it. Um, and you can see piles of it all over the place when it gets stuck against something and the wind blows and knocks it over. And it's a comparison here, right? It's a comparison versus, the green leaf that does not wither, even when times get hard, right? Even when there's nothing really joyous to be had in this earth, we can be encouraged. And man, this pulls me back into first and second Peter talking about yeah. that imperishable inheritance. Whereas yeah. the tumbleweed, man, you run that thing over, it's gone. It's, 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 it's nothing. Dead. It's dead. And yeah. Then that's the way of the wicked. So even though their advice, um, their pathway, their mocking seems so vivid and so loud right now, within just a span of time, they're going to get blown away and dry yep. up and shrivel up. And so we don't want to be like that. Um, yep. And the sinner who is that way has a way to get to the right direction by getting away from that mentality and turning to the right place. Um, right. And really it's the place of death, right? And that's mm -hmm. what we see in verse five. Therefore, mm -hmm. the wicked will not stand up in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. Man, what do you make of that, Neil? Well, 
my goodness, I immediately think uh, about meditation. <laughs> but mm -hmm. um, when I read this text, you know, verse five was one that I was really uh, dwelling deeply on. And that's the reality of, of that both sinners and righteous will be judged. Yeah. But only one will be found righteous. And that righteousness is declared because of who intercedes for you, who stands in the gap for you. And so, you know, the gospel tells us that, man, like that Jesus came to the earth. He died on the cross, bearing the full wrath of God uh, for the penalty of our sins um, and gives us his righteousness when we put our faith and our hope in him, turn from our sins, um, gives us his righteousness and we give him our wickedness our unrighteousness he exchanges it it's you know known in the reformation as the great exchange yeah and so man um here we see that both groups will will stand before judgment right but the wicked will not stand up yeah the righteous stand up because of the life source uh that they're connected to and that is Christ, and that is, his, is the Lord's instruction, right? And so that that's <laughs> – and then obviously it goes further. It says the sinners not in the assembly of the righteous. The sinners can't stand in the assembly of the righteous. Why? Because they're, they're, the nature is different. Like yeah. the, the, the one is dead and one is alive, and that's why it, they can't stand together. They're opposed. They're in contradiction to one another, right? So this reminds me it, so much of the wheat and the tares parable. Oh they yeah, grow up together, but at some point they'll be sorted, yeah. which goes back to that chaff kind of mentality, right? The dust. Totally. And um, text continues and says, "The for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin." So here's our end end game, right? Yeah. Um. Matt, what would you say? Well, I would say that um, only the all-knowing God, right? We want to question, uh, not question, we want to ask, what, what does this say, say about God? Well, that right. he only can be trusted as the perfect judge. And so he's right. all-knowing. He knows us from the inside out. And so a person can appear to be righteous on the outside, but they could be wholly corrupt on the inside. And so he sees right through these masks of respectability and he reads our heart. Man, this is such an encouragement to me when I'm in conflict and when someone maybe is saying harsh things about me or puts on a facade of being righteous when in reality that they're, they're broken on the inside. And um, I get so comforted by the fact that God knows the heart right now when I'm, when I'm in sin, then it's on the other shoe, right? I know God knows exactly what's going on in my heart and um, that he's not a distant observer, but he's intimately involved in the mm -hmm. lives of his people. I mean, the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. Um, it could also be translated knows the way of the righteous. And when you see that and you hear that, I mean, that's intimate, um, the watching and knowing aspect. He also I, knows I the way of the wicked. Yeah, I think one also just gospel implication here is that, um, man, we all we all start as the wicked, 
Yeah. Like that's, that's the threshold. And uh, it's up to the Lord to change the nature of a heart to We're make a dead man race. alive. Right. So uh, one of the biggest issues I see in Christians uh, or hypocrisies I see in Christians and in this text, I feel like could fuel them is um, in verse one, how happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of wicked, wicked or stand in the pathway of sinners or sit in the company of mockers. So they're like, see, I only deal with Christians. I don't ever go outside of my bubble, right? And I'm thinking like one of the questions I asks, I asks, I ask when I study when I study God's word is are there any cross references? Uh, not references to the cross per se, but like other texts do any other texts come to mind as I read this? And the text that came to mind for me was in Luke chapter 5, uh, verses 27 through 32. It says, After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, Follow me. So leaving everything behind, he got up and began to follow him. Then Levi, in response to this change of nature, right, hosted a grand banquet for him at his house. Now there was a large crowd of tax collectors and others who were reclining at the table with him, but the Pharisees and their scribes were complaining to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? How could you? I can't understand this. Psalm 1, y'all. <laughs> you yeah. know? And Jesus replied to them, It is not those who are healthy who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And this goes back to our, our life source picture, right? Uh, Tony Evans once said that when Jesus shows up to your party, it becomes his party because he's about to make a spiritual impact in the hearts of the spiritually broken. And so um, I think it's important for us to understand and ask the question about what does this text say about man? Like, what is my current nature, you know? Um, and where do I gain life from and meditate on that? Um, and if you are found with the righteous because of the work of Christ on your behalf, okay, so what do I need to meditate in light of that? So it, it kind of focuses our application, right, Matt, when we understand, yeah. um, w what our state is. And one aspect of this also is, is really twofold. The first, the first part is. We know Jewish wisdom literature likes to show you two paths, right? There's two mm -hmm. ways you could go, the way of the fool or the way of the wise, uh, the way of the wicked, the way of the righteous. And we see that laid out all from Genesis onward. And so in many ways, this is an offering of which way, which path are you going to follow? And this becomes a warning text that you can bring to people and say, listen, there is happiness and delight that can be found in the word of the Lord. Turn mm -hmm. to it. We want you to be by we want to be, we want you to be like the oasis that people gather and come to. The right. second thing that you notice is not that you don't hang out or you don't eat with the sinners and tax collectors. Um, but what you do is you don't follow their ways. Right? right. You are not taking the path that leads to ruin. You are not 
walking in their advice. You're not getting the source of wisdom that they have. You're providing right. the alternate. And, and so that's kind of what we got to be careful with. And Jesus says in that Luke 5 passage I just read, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And that's so right. that's the model for which we follow, right? If we are sitting with sinners, then we're calling them to the Lord's instruction, right? <laughs> we're calling them to this way, to turn from that way towards this way, um, not to just hang, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. And um, all people, and listen, you know, all people want happiness or to be blessed, right? Mm-hmm. We all want, we want joy. And the world offers so many options and suggestions. Mm-hmm. Yet here we are told that there's only one true happiness and blessedness. Um, mm-hmm. It's only those that love and delight in the word of God. And this really goes against earthly wisdom, um, even common sense, right? Uh, many people are like, well, I'll just find my own stream, right? I'll go, I'll find my own irrigation ditch. I'll dig my own well. And what you see is you're wasting your time on self-help books on things that will only make things worse instead of going to the living water. And Isaiah 55 has that beautiful picture, right? Of um, all who are thirsty, come and drink. All who are hungry, come and eat. Uh, And that's what Jesus offers. Now, Neil, I want to just really quickly um, in the next five minutes that we have, talk about ways that you can meditate with this passage itself. So we've given you uh, a way to do this. So you could take the whole passage and do what we did, right? Just walk through it step after step. Um, study it a touch. Yeah, study it a touch, which is good, right? We want to know the background. We want to know the information. Unfortunately, if we're so busy trying to fill our mind with information, we actually mm-hmm. don't get any transformation. And so we want to be very That'll aware. Preach. That'll preach. <laughs> um, so you can take the psalm in one bite, reading the whole thing, and then mm-hmm. praying through each bit, kind of like what we did. Um, or you can take the verses of the righteous and ask God to give you a life like this. And so you could just easily start in verse 2 and begin to, to question um, your scenario, your life. Maybe look at your calendar. Is it filled with times of meditation, uh, day and night, the continuity there? Or is it filled with every other activity under the sun? Um, or you could take the wicked or the unrighteous here and look at verse one. What do the wicked and unrighteous do? Um, well, they are wicked, they're sinners, they're mockers. Um, and what is their end? What is going to happen to them? And you can meditate on that. Or remember how we've mentioned two places where the character of God shines through in this passage. One is the purity or the truth of his instruction. And the second is how he watches over, right? He's all-knowing. You could spend a lot of time, what does it mean that God is all-knowing? Um, how does that affect my life? What does God want me to do about that um, revelation of his attribute today and now? Right. And that's why, and that's one of, couple of the ways that you can take this. Um, or even take the picture, the picture of that tree, walk outside and go look for a tree and sit there and contemplate this passage, right? I mean, I, I can't imagine the Jews who were reading this, the Hebrews, and as they were reading this passage, um, looked out at the irrigation ditch down the road and saw all the greenery, right? And it 
reflected back into their mind and then um yeah think really about your heart yeah your heart yeah think about your heart you know does does the tree uh or does do the leaves on your tree are they withered or are they green are they full of life right you know that what do you delight in uh that's one way i i've um meditated on this text is like lord um what are the things that i am delighting in that are not of you yeah and i start to think about that because the text has called me that delight in the lord to delight in the lord's instruction and so if if i'm trying to delight in other means then happy the happiness is not what i'm getting it's something else you know and it may be temporary but it's not long lasting and that's the big right. difference here right um, am I delighting in, am I thinking about the next car I could have, or, um, you know, if my wife would just smile at me or, you know, say something nice, or if my boss would say he, he, uh, he's, he's thankful for the work that I've done. Like, is that what's giving me life or is it, is it this different picture, this, this truly life giving picture of the lord's instruction you know so i'm meditating on those things i'm analyzing my heart i'm thinking about my beliefs my desires my behaviors and then i'm standing them up to the lord's instruction right and i'm and i'm beginning to meditate but you know last last week matt we talked about um meditating uh through praying the text and um anytime you finish a bible study like even if you don't begin the study the way we did where we read the text first and then, and then we kind of prayed some highlights. You may not be in that, uh, or that conditioned, right. To, to do that so quickly. Um, so you might begin your study by just asking the Lord to help you to understand, to reveal your heart, to deal with you and to help you have a clear picture of who he is, you know? Um, but on the end, right, as the text has exposed your heart, what will you confess to the Lord? And what will you seek forgiveness for? Or uh, what have you been doing? What, <laughs> what have you, like I said, like, have you been delighting in other things? Like confess and ask for the Lord to show you what things to delight in him over. Um, and to begin to make that uh, engage in the process of biblical change is what I'm yeah. saying. The adoration. Um, um thanksgiving that comes from meditation is so powerful in our prayer time oh yeah 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 and and write out your prayer pray through the text um think about maybe maybe you have been sitting in this the way of sinners and scoffers and not calling them to change not calling them to repentance for whatever reason fear um you name it right I want to send out a a challenge too, Neil. Um, Yeah, shoot it. So if you are a husband or a man um, and you are responsible for a family and you are concerned that you're not a good prayer, you don't pray well, um, this is how you get good at praying is Mm -hmm. through meditation. This is what fills you up. Um, If you do this with a psalm a day, Say you take a psalm a day and you just work through the psalms and you meditate on each one. That is a huge resource for you when you have family worship time. 
I know mm-hmm. there are times in my in my day when I just don't have time to study a passage to bring something in our in our time with our family. So I'll open up a psalm and we'll read a psalm, talk about it, be encouraged by it, and that'll be our family worship. And then we thank God and adore him and we sing songs. Boom. This is how how you start, right? This is where it comes. So I, I challenge every man to to spend um, some time in meditation and the Psalms are the best for it because there's not um, a lot of complications when it comes to the Psalms. Whereas mm-hmm. like some passages, it's like really hard to figure out like, how do I pray about uh, you know, this, this, uh, this gruesome story in judges or, or anything yeah. like that. So, yeah. And if you're, if you're a, a, a female listener and you're like, man, my husband is just not doing that. You know, uh, you need to do it with your children. You need to commit yourself to it because it's what's right. Um, you know, wash your children the word. And you also, you know, can can ask your husband, hey, you know, will you listen to maybe a podcast on this? Or re- can I read this text to you? What do you think about that? You know, like engage engage his heart with the word of God, you know. So we like to come up with excuses for doing everything else under the sun. But until we get into the roots and get consistent and, you know, dig our heels in on, on what's right. Um, we're just, we're going to continue to walk in the ways of the wicked, you know, but when we dig our heels in on what is right, man, some change begins to occur. And so, uh, Matt, to, to throw this thing home, what's the one thing from this text you're going to meditate on today? Yeah, I'm going to be meditating on, Verse 1, how happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway of sinners or sit in the company of mockers. I'm going to evaluate all my activities. Am I listening to um, secular music to fill me up, to try to find happiness? Am I listening to or watching? What am I reading? Um, And really just focusing in on what truly makes me happy. Mm. What about you, Neil? Yeah, yeah, for me, uh, verse 6, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. I'm just, you know, I'm in a difficult personal season right now. Um, and just thinking about, man, the Lord's watching over. He has this way um, that I'm on, and I'm going to follow, and I'm going to trust that he's watching over it because, you know, it's easy to try and defend yourself or to, you know, whatever, you know, stab people back, <laughs> you know, but, um, but man, the Lord is, is gracious and he's watching over. And so I just want to think about and dwell deeply about this omniscient God who um, is for me and for my good, even in seasons of difficulty. Yeah, listener, please um, let us know what you are going to meditate on from this passage. Drop a a line on Facebook, email us, or drop a comment in the podcast comment box. And let us know uh, what you're meditating on from this psalm and how this psalm um, is affecting you and how you're going to live your life in light of it. Hmm. Thanks for listening, guys. I'm going to land it hard. Land it. Land it. (laughs) Uh, Thanks for listening to another episode of the Gospel Lifeline podcast. Neil and Matt, we are out.